Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to 1 John chapter 5, the book of 1 John chapter 5. We continue our study through the New Testament, and we've come to the arrival of the last chapter in the book of 1 John. But do you remember our study through 2 Peter, specifically in chapter 3? 2 Peter chapter 3, where we're told how the world will be destroyed by fire. Now, understand Jesus, our Lord, he's the one who told us that the last days will be like the days of Noah before the flood. You know, remember the, the in the past, the, the, the flood was water. But then at the same time, we know that as the word of God teaches us that the future flood will be with fire. And that's what we read about in Second Peter chapter three. Now, these are things that vessels of the Lord, they teach us about. And at the same time, we have to understand that there is absolute safety in Christ, how Jesus Christ is the ark of our time. He is uh, the ark of the last days. And not to get ahead of ourselves here, but if we look at in 1 John chapter 5, where we have our study today, uh, but in 1 John chapter 5, but then look at verse 5 really quick. And in verse 5, Brother John says, Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You see, John, Brother John, he gives us the holy recipe. It's the same with Peter. It's the same with Brother James. It's the same with Brother Paul. You see, and the holy recipe is deep, very deep. Now, take you and me, for example. Say you and me were to go to an amusement park. I used to say Disneyland, but Disney turned crazy. Disney is straight up crazy these days. It's just one of many signs of the last days. But say you and me, say we were to go to a big amusement park, a huge amusement park. And you know where, you know, the kind, it's so huge that we have to stay there for a week to enjoy everything because it's huge. You see, and to simply arrive at the gate of this enormous amusement park, to simply arrive at the gate and then stay at the gate. A person could say that we are at the amusement park, but we're really not because we never entered. You see, say we come from afar, we arrive at the amusement park and we just stay at the gate. Somebody might look at him and go, oh, look, they're at, their, they're at this amusement park. It's only when we enter the gate that we truly, truly, truly experience the sights, the sounds, the rides, the snacks, the fun, the laughter, the excitement, more snacks, all the excitement, meals, good meals. You see, we have to enter. And a lot of times people do that with Jesus where, you know, they believe in Jesus and arrive at the door. And that is a good thing. That is a beautiful thing. But there's much more. We are to enter the door. And when we enter, it's then, that's where we taste and see that the Lord is good. It's where we abide inside of Christ. And don't forget our Lord, he tells us, abide in me, no period. He says, abide in me, and I in you. Those are his words. I'm just the messenger. You see, he in us, he in you, he in me. And we, that is the body of Christ. And so it's important to remember that and keep that in mind, along with 
all the exhortations that the word of God has for us and the truths and the promises of God accounting for the it is also written, the thousands and thousands and thousands of it is, it is also written. And so bearing this in mind, let's begin our study in 1 John chapter 5. <clears throat> and here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, Brother John says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. You see, Brother John, what he's doing is he's teaching us about our family of faith. More of, you know, he's been doing it already, but he's teaching us even more. Brother John, our family of faith. It's not a social club. Not a social club. We're a family. We're a family. And it just so happens, we mentioned this on our Wednesday study, when we close the book of Ruth. It's very interesting how we close, we open the book of Ruth, we open the book of, of 1 John. We close the book of Ruth, we close the book of 1 John. Very interesting. Now, just so you know, I don't believe in coincidences. It just so happens. It just so happens. And when we closed out the book of Ruth, in, 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 we look at the family of faith. And believing in Jesus is to be born of God. And Brother John is teaching us more of what he has already been teaching us. And this, how he says here in verse 1, him who begot, as John says, translates in the Greek as he who brings forth, that's in the sense of being born, he who brings forth and regenerates as kin. You see, does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? Now, if you're listening for the first time or, you know, sometimes there's, you know, the, uh, the, the, the listeners to our New Testament studies, go and listen to our study on Wednesday in Ruth. Very important because what we learn about is this holy lineage. And this holy lineage has continued through the ages and it's still going. We just studied this in Ruth. And the, the book of Ruth is written at a time when, you know, the judges era. Now, if you're listening for the first time and or maybe you only listen to our uh, 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 New Testament studies, go and listen to our studies through not just Ruth, but the book of Judges, the book of Ruth, and, you know, even more. Go and listen to our Old Testament studies, the Old Covenant studies, because you'll see something beautiful. This holy lineage and in the Ruth generation it's in the era of time where everybody was doing right in their own eyes everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes and then you see a remnant among the people where people who are doing right in the eyes of the Lord you see and the book of Ruth, it's an era where the Lord had become forgotten. And yet, something was happening. Remember Deborah? Remember Barak and Ehud? And Yael, remember? Remember the tent peg? You see? And in that generation and that era of time in the book of Judges, we also see Boaz and Ruth and Naomi and Elimelech. Remember? And in the, when, when, when the multitudes are doing what is right in their own eyes. Remember the, it, it, when we close the book of Judges? You know, they have their annual celebration of the Lord, the annual feast of the Lord. And they have their annual feast, but what did it become? 
going through the motions. Why? Because when we see that every year they were presumably honoring the Lord, were they really honoring the Lord with the idolatry that was rampant in the lands? Were they truly honoring the Lord where not just, uh, not, not just with the idolatry, but what idolatry led to? You see? You see something beautiful only among a remnant. And just as we see in the judge's generation, you see how the book of Ruth is kind of encapsulated in the judge's generation. But something is happening still in our time, in 2023 AD, where there is also a Ruth generation among a last day's era. It's called the remnant. Very unique, very special, very holy. You see? And we learn about this redemption. You know, we see these the example in Boaz, but at the same time, you know, there's love for this Redeemer. And when there's a love for Jesus, there's something else that happens concerning others who are begotten of Christ. You know what that is? Love for one another. That's what Brother John is teaching us about here in verse 1. Everyone who loves him who begot, he says in verse 1, also loves him who is begotten of him. You see? You and me. You and me. We love Jesus. But then at the same time, what about the other guy who is born of Jesus, who is begotten of Jesus? You see, we love him too. What about the other lady who is begotten of Jesus? We love her too. You see, that's family. Ecclesia. And it's very important to also consider the thousands and thousands and thousands of it is also written. Because we have to remember sound doctrine. Because this is, this is where the overseers come into play. Biblically qualified overseers because it is so beautiful and safe to submit to a pastor. But the formula must be right because submission unto the wrong pastor, it's very dangerous. Look at what happened in Corinth. And you take Corinth and then you look at Philippi and it's like, wow, this is like night and day precisely. You see? You see, Philippi, they don't have the problems and the issues and all the drama and all the mess that you see in Corinth. They don't have it. Why? Good overseers. It's safe to be a baby believer. It's safe to be a brand new believer in Christ in Philippi. Why? Because the overseers are going to fulfill their duty in accordance to the word of God and in submission and obedience to Jesus Christ, the head of the church, the head pastor of every church. And it's safe to submit to the pastors in Philippi. Why? Because if you and me are babies in Christ, what they're going to do in the fellowship, they're going to help us. They're going to help us nurture these very things, this, this holy recipe. But at the same time, they're also going to be on the lookout for the wolves. They're also going to be on the lookout for the, for the leaven. 
You see, because if we start exercising the things of our faith with leaven, that is not good. That is not good. And I speak of a fellowship setting, not in an evangelistic setting. I speak in a fellowship setting. You see, evangelism is a, that's, it's, it, it, we still function as believers. We function as Christians. We function as, as messengers. But at the same time, it's different because evangelizing is, you know, when Jesus says, you know, I send you out as sheep among wolves. We have to be wise. We have to be wise. Jesus says, I send you out as sheep among wolves. But what happens when the wolves come inside? You see? And this is where the qualified overseers, they have an eye out for this. They have a biblical responsibility. They have a responsibility from Jesus to keep the flock safe. And so we have to account for these, all these, it is also written. But Brother John, he teaches us about our family of faith. And so we have our family of faith and brother John, he further explains certain intricacies. Look at verse two. He says, by this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. You see, when he says, when we love God, Kai, Kai, you see, remember in our prior studies, how we made mention of the Greek word Kai, because there's inclusivity with the word Kai. Go back and listen to our study. So if you're listening, you're like, what is Kai? Go back and listen to 1 Corinthians and then get yourself all the way to 1 John chapter 5 and you'll understand a whole lot more about Kai because we mention it. There's inclusivity with the word Kai. When we love God and keep his commandments. When we love God, Kai, keep his commandments. You see? And I love how he says keep his commandments. You know why? Brother John, he uses in the Greek, he uses a military term. Because to keep his commandments is to watch, to be on guard, and to fulfill. Very beautiful. Is John writing about the law of Moses? You know, when he says, you know, when we love God and keep his commandments. Is Brother John, is he writing about the law of Moses? No, he is not writing about the law of Moses. And if you're listening for the first time, you're like, what? I thought, you know, we're supposed to do the law of Moses. Go back and listen to our studies from 1 John chapter chapter 2. Just a few chapters in the, in the past, several weeks ago. Chapter 2. Go back and listen to our study from 1 John chapter 2. You see? And then also our studies through Galatians and the book of Hebrews because you'll understand about the law. The law is still holy. The law is beautiful. But the law is a tutor. You see? The law is a tutor. I mean, if you and me are enrolled in, say, like, geometry, and we're just straight up, like, you know, straight D students. We're, we're you know, we're in geometry, but we're not too good at geometry. We're, you know, straight Fs, straight Ds. And the objective is like, well, you know, we need to be straight A students. I mean, if we want to advance, if we want to continue to the to the next grade or the next, uh, 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 you know, academic level. So what do we do? We get a tutor. We get a tutor. And the tutor helps us. Our grades goes from F's to straight F's to straight D's. And then straight C's and straight B's. And now we're straight A's, but we're not low A's. We're not like 92%. We're at like 98, 99%. We're like high echelon A's. Now, 
Now that we're at 98, 99, and maybe even 100%, now we're in, we're in like the high echelon of the A grade, do we need a tutor? You see? And that's the law. The law is a tutor. And what Brother Paul says to, yeah, old man Pastor Paul says to young Pastor Timothy, you see, the law is not made for the righteous. You see? Very important to understand. And if you're listening for the first time and you're a new believer and you're like grappling, like, oh man, I don't understand this, I don't understand this, I don't understand this, and you're kind of bummed out, listen, do not be bummed out. Do not be bummed out. Be of good cheer. It's beautiful. If you're a new, new listener, maybe you came to Christ today or last week or the week before or maybe even the month before. And you're a baby in Christ. Listen, being a baby in Christ is beautiful. It's so beautiful because there's such innocence. There are things we have to be straight up. There are things that you simply do not know. But those things that you do not know, in the course of time, you will know. You see? And you will grow and you will mature. But the formula has to be right in us, in you, and in me. And I've had these conversations with new believers or young believers that are like, man, I don't know the Bible like this, and I don't know the Bible like this, and you know, you point here and you point here, and I don't know. Well, listen, that takes time. I mean, if, if, if you and me wanted to be neurosurgeons, I don't know about you. I don't know, you know your, your, your level of academic understanding, but I can't do that today. I can't do that tomorrow. I can't do that in, you know, a month. I can't do that in a year, maybe 10 years. I don't know what the criteria is, but I'd imagine the, the, the learning is pretty intense, but maybe 10 years, maybe longer. You see, don't be discouraged. Even Paul, when he came to Christ, he did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. He spent time. He spent time and he grew and he matured himself. And at the same time, there is a period of time where he became deadly. Remember? The good deadly, not the bad deadly. The good deadly. When he would straight up go to the hornet's nest, Paul, he would purpose, when he would be new in, a, in an area, he would on purpose go to the synagogue and prove from the scrolls Prove from the law and the prophets that Jesus is the Messiah. And he would, you know, he would prove it from their scrolls, from their texts. And people were coming to Christ. It was the religious leaders that got mad. And finally, they didn't say, listen, you know, before we said, you know, we're going to arrest Paul. Before we said, arrest him, arrest him, arrest him. Before we beat him up, you know, and beat him up and left him outside the town. And he's not stopping. So now let's kill him. You see? That's what happens when, when you grow, when you mature. And they might like you at first when you're a baby believer. They might like you. And as you mature, people less people are going to like you as you start to mature. And then when you become mature to a point where it starts to become deadly, oh, it's, things change a little bit. Because Satan knows. Satan knows that you're a threat. You see? And then he goes and seduces. Very interesting how when Paul, you know, his things started to dwindle for him, you know, when people who were learning from Paul, 
And he didn't stop. And then finally, they, he, they, he was beheaded. Historically, he was beheaded by Nero. That's what happens to faithful messengers. You see? Because the world will hate you. That's why Jesus says, count the cost. The world will hate you. But be of good cheer. We're not of this world. And things are getting dicey. Things are getting very dicey in the world in which we presently live today. Things are getting very, very dicey. And you say like, okay, it's safe in the church. It's safe in the church. No, sometimes it's more dangerous in the church because the pastor is straight up crazy. Or the pastor is a wolf. The pastor is a servant of Satan. You have to understand formula because, and I've had these conversations very recently with people where they're starting to realize, oh my goodness, I never realized this before, but you're right. My pastor, he's Looney Tunes. He's straight up loco. And when you see, yes, the Bible does say, submit to your pastor. But when a person understands formula, they realize, oh my goodness, I cannot submit to this Looney Tunes guy. I cannot submit myself to this crackpot. You see? Very interesting how the Word of God teaches us. Brother John, he is speaking about love among the family of faith, but we cannot forget the thousands and thousands of it is also written. Because don't forget, Satan is very seductive. He twists the scriptures and so do his servants. They twist the scriptures. We have to be Bereans. We have to be Bereans. And so Brother John, when he says, when we love God and keep his commandments, in verse 2, when we love God, Kai, keep his commandments. To love God and obey him, that's something that cannot be mandated. It cannot be mandated. It's not through coercion. It's not through manipulation. A person, a person, male, female, young, old. We must choose for ourselves. You must choose for yourself. I must choose for myself. And the love of God is absolutely a beautiful thing. And when you understand formula, you also understand that there must be obedience. Brother John says this in verse 3. He says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And something already underway in these last days, and you probably already noticed this. When you read the Bible, you follow the Bible. And how you follow the Bible, it evolves. It changes. You know why? Because you're changing. You're changing. You're being transformed. And that is a good thing. That's a very beautiful thing for you. That's a beautiful thing for you. But of the ones who don't do that, they'll start to call you names. They'll make fun of you. And they'll call you a legalist. When the whole time, the entire time, all you're doing is keeping the commandments of God. You see, that's it. All you're doing, you love the Lord and you're following his precepts found in the word of God. And you are the one that's changing. You are the one that's transforming. 
but the ones who, they might love God. I'm not denying that. They might love the Lord. But if they're not obedient to the word of God, they're not changing. They're not being transformed. Have you ever seen, you know, where like, say for example, you know, say we're, you know, like back in the day, say we we were involved with like alcoholism and then we come to Christ and we have our friends, you know, and all these things and they're like, hey, let's go hang out. And then all of a sudden we drink alcohol, but it, it's different. All of a sudden we feel the conviction like, oh my goodness, like, I don't like this anymore. And so you and me, we stop drinking alcohol and we are the friends. They might say, okay, you know, you're just, you just, you don't want to drink anymore. You just had a glass, you know, you don't want to drink anymore. But then they come back and say, hey, let's do it again. Let's do it again. And say like a, a week later, hey, let's do it again. And finally, we're just like, you know what? Uh, can I just have a soda? I'll just have a soda. And they might just figure, well, you know. He just doesn't feel like drinking, you know, she just doesn't feel like drinking, you know, okay, you have your soda, whatever, we're going to do our thing. And then again, and we say, oh, you know, can, how about, how about, uh, you know, a, a, a soda, another soda, you know. And then they start to change. They start to, oh, you know, you think you're better than us? They ask us the question, you think you're better than us? We just say, no, listen, we love you guys. You know, we love you. And, you know, we're walking with Jesus and we're, 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 we're fresh Christians. We just became Christians a couple weeks ago. But we don't want to partake of these things anymore. And we love you. In fact, instead of us coming to you and hanging out and doing this, hey, why don't you come with us? Why don't you come with us? We used to go to this one church, but then the pastor turned crazy. And then we went to this other church and, you know, they had the female pastor. And then we went to this other church and they're reformed. And, you know, they say, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. And then we went to this other church and, you know, they call the glitter the Holy Spirit. And then we went to this other church and the pastor says, you know, let's go grave soaking. So, you know what? We have our home fellowship. And then they start to make fun of us. You think you're better than us, don't you? You think you're better than us. You don't want to you don't want to hang out with us anymore. And then they start to make fun of us. You see? And that they, you know what this is describing, you know, it, it, say they're non-believers. But what about when they are believers and they do partake of things of the world? Remember what John says about things of the world are at enmity with God? And all we're doing, you and me, all we're doing is, yes, we love the Lord. And it, there's no denying that, yeah, they might love the Lord. I, I, I can, I, I'm not the, 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 the tester. I'm not the barometer of another person's love. I don't know. They might love the Lord. But don't forget, Jesus is the one who says, if you love me, if you love me, follow me. Jesus says that. If you love me, obey my commandments. That's, he's the one who says, if you love me. So someone might say, Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. But I sure love this crack. I love you, Lord, but I sure love cooking spoons. 
I love you, Lord, but wow, I love this vodka. Wow, I love this pornography. Wow, I love these strippers. Wow, I love these Buddha. Wow, I love this Mary. Wow, I love this whatever it is, the chakras, the crystals, the Ouija boards, whatever it is. And Jesus is the one who says, if you love me, obey me. So a person can say, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. Well, there's several things that we have to keep in mind. Which which Christ? The biblical Christ or the fake Christ? And Jesus says there's going to be many Christs in the last days. Which Christ? You see? I love the Christ that permits me to do the sex and the alcohol and the Ouija boards. I like that Christ. Well, you know, that's not the biblical Christ. And then Christians start to hate you. Oh, you're such a legalist. You're such a legalist. You're such a legalist. These are things that we're starting to know. It's it's always been there. But we're seeing it ramp up, ramp up to a higher degree in these last days for such a time as this. It's ramping up in these last days. Remember, we're not imposing you and me. All we're doing, we love the Lord. And the Lord says, if you love me, obey me. We say, okay, Lord. We love you, Lord, and we're going to obey you. But what does your word teach us? So we're going to read your word and certain things we don't understand. So what do we do? We submit ourselves to a pastor. And the pastor teaches us. He's a full package. He's like a a Paul, a James, a, a Peter, a brother John. You know, we submit ourselves to him and he teaches us. He trains us. He equips us. You see, he pours into us and we learn. And all of a sudden something happens where the word of God, it was never just a book. We just didn't realize like, oh my goodness, this is the fountain of life. We didn't realize at the time. We didn't know. But as we grow, as we mature, we realize like, oh my goodness, This is straight up life. And so we open up the word. We continue to read and read and study. Making the pages white. Where every jot and every tittle leaps off those pages into our little eye holes and right down into our heart. And we obey. We choose to obey the Lord. We choose to obey the Lord. Now. The ones who don't do that, it's already happening for such a time as this, as the word of God teaches one of many signs of the last days, it's already happening. But the ones that don't do this, they're starting to hate us. They're starting to hate you. It's already been there. And the whole time, all we're doing, we're keeping the commandments of the Lord. You see? And what the ones that don't do that, what they don't realize is what Brother John tells us in verse 3. He says, it's the love of God. See, he says in verse 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And I don't like to use these words like, you know, reciprocity. But there's a reciprocal nature of love. And I hate saying reciprocal. I don't like using that word, but I I have no other way to describe it. 
But I don't like using that word because it sounds too textbooky. It sounds too like, you know, like, have you ever read like an instruction manual? And it's like, it's just so choppy, like boom, 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 boom. And it's like, eh, the instructions are there, but it's so choppy. It's like, there's no, there's no life to the instruction manual. And I don't like using the word reciprocal. But it's like love within a family. Love feast. I love you. You love me. Love within a family. But it's the family of faith. We love the Lord. We love each other. Another brother loves the Lord. Hey, I love you too, brother. Another sister loves the Lord. Hey, I love you too, sister. Age is irrelevant. It's the family of faith. Which is greater than the family of Adam. Far greater. But we're trapped in these earth suits. You see people say it all the time. Oh, family's everything. Family's everything. And in one sense, I do agree. But I'm not talking about the family of Adam. I'm talking about the family of faith. Heirs of Abraham. The stars that the Lord showed to Abraham. Remember? We just, just so happens. It just so happens. It just so happens. We studied this on Wednesday. You see, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. So somebody says, says, I love the Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. But I also love my crack. I love you, Lord. But I also love my sex. I love you, Lord. But I also love my Buddha. Well, is he or she keeping the commandments of the Lord? You say, well, no. He's not keeping the commandments of the Lord. She's not keeping the commandments of the Lord. Well, you look at the beginning of verse 3. For this is the love of God. What does that say? And, you know, you start to realize, like, this is serious business. Like, like oh my goodness, this is very serious business. Precisely. It's very serious. And when church is treated like a social club, there's much harm brought upon saints. And church is treated as a social club by people who have no business in the pulpit. You see, because it's not a social club, it's family. The family of faith. Heirs of Abraham by faith in Jesus Christ. And Brother John, he's teaching us about these very things. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome, he says. These are things that a person realizes in the course of time. You see, in trusting God and trusting in his ways, not our ways, not our ways. You see, something can happen where, you know, like there's some type of stimulus and in the ways of man, in the wisdom of the world, that person will handle it one way. But in the ways of faith, in accordance to the word of God and in accordance to the will of God, the ways of man and the ways of the world always turns into a mess. When people are doing what is right in their own eyes, it always turns into a mess. You say, oh, but we believe in the Lord. Look, we believe in the Lord. And look, we have our, our annual festival, our annual feast where we celebrate the Lord. Okay, where is obedience? Where is obedience? Because 
where the ways of the world and the wisdom of the world, it always turns into a mess at minimum. It always turns, turns into a mess at minimum. I say at minimum because we see in scripture and not just in scripture, you see it in life. It turns into a mess. It turns into ruin upon ruin upon ruin. And it even turns into destruction. But the way of righteousness, according to scripture, always, 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 it leads to glory. And you might be listening for the first time and say, yeah, I'm a Christian. So I, I go over here, you know, this guy says, go ahead and take the mark. He said, you can, you'll, you'll still be saved. This guy does the glitter. He does the, 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 uh, the, 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 the grave soaking. And okay, so I'll, I'll listen to this message. I'll see what this guy has to say. And okay. And you might be realizing for the first time. You might be realizing for the first time. You know what? I'm a believer, but my life is a mess. I believe in Jesus, but my life is in ruins. I believe in Jesus, but my life is a path of destruction. I want to tell you something. If that's you, it doesn't have to be a path of destruction. It doesn't have to be ruin. It doesn't have to be mess. What has to happen is the formula needs to be right in you. That's what has to happen in order for effectuation of God's promises. You say, wait a second, I go to this church over here. Okay, you know what's being revealed? Your pastor is defunct. That's what's being revealed. Why? Because you don't know this. You should know it, but you don't know it. Why is that? Oh, I've been going to this church for 10 years, for 10 years, and all oh, look at all these things. And, and why don't you know this? You see? And this isn't to shame, like, you know, how dare you, how dare you, how dare you. But when you look at the fruit, look at the fruit in your own life. If, you know, I'm speaking to the person where, you know, if life is mess upon mess and ruin upon ruin and it's destruction upon destruction, listen, it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. It's a tactic of Satan. You know what I say to you? Jump ship. Leave that so-called pastor. Jump ship. We are in the last days. And this holy lineage that it just so happens we studied on Wednesday, Satan and Satan's servants, they want to cut that off. They want to cut off that family of faith. They want to cut off the heirs of Abraham. They want to cut off from the promises of God. That's a big deal. And you might be listening and you're like, well, listen, I've been a Christian for 10 years. I've been a Christian for 20 years and I've never heard it broken down like this. Well, praise be to the Lord, because for such a time as this, you and me, our paths are meeting for such a time as this. And all I'm saying is this, jump ship, leave the defunct. Leave the defunct. Let the dead bury the dead. And let us move on to paradise. I'm not denying your love of the Lord. I'm not saying, hey, you know, you have this mess in life. Well, you don't love the Lord. I'm not saying that. I'm not Calvinist. Calvinists might say that. They might say, well, you're predestined for hell. That's what the Calvinists would say. But the Calvinist is wrong. You see? Wrong formula. The Calvinist, the Reformed, the mainline Presbyterian... 
Oh, you have these, this mess in life. Oh, that's because, you know, uh, God preordained it. Oh, you, you, you want to commit suicide? Okay, God preordained that. I'm not Calvinist. They are. That's what they say. But what they say fails to align with scripture. So what does that tell us? Don't follow them. Don't listen to them. It's false doctrine. Another sign of the last days. False doctrine. You see? And their pastors say, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. That's what they say. Now, you might be listening the first time. You're like, whoa, I can't believe. This is a heavy allegation. Go listen to it for yourself. Go to thewayunderground.com. Go to the reform section. You'll hear the pastor say it in his own. You'll see. You'll hear it. So what does that say? Very true. The Bible does say, submit to your pastor. But we have to be very selective. Very selective. It's very beautiful to submit to a pastor. But we have to find the right one. You see? And Brother John, he says, the commandments of the Lord, they're not burdensome. And if you're listening and you're in that, that, that camp where your life is a mess, listen, it doesn't have to be this way. Your life is in ruins, it's in shambles, and yes, you love the Lord, yes, you love the Lord, and you're praying and praying, and you're, you know, I, I've had these conversations with people, oh, I've been praying for five years, I've been praying for ten years. I need victory, I want victory. It's like, why, why are you praying for ten years? Why are you praying for ten years? You can pray and boom, if it's... But the formula has to be right. Remember what Brother James says? You have not because you ask not, because you ask amiss. Nothing's wrong with the Lord. And so we know that nothing's wrong with the Lord. Who's left? You see? Us. You and me. So what does that tell us? It's you and me that has to yield to the Word of God. Formula. The formula has to be right. And so if your life is a mess, if your life is in shambles, and in the last days, this is what's going to happen. It's going to get worse. And it's, pre it's a precursory sign to apostasy. Lives are in shambles. Because for a person to no longer believe in Jesus, and for a person to walk away and become apostate, what precursory to that is no effectuation of God's promises. You see? And that's what the false prophets do. That's what the false teachers do. That's what the people who have no business in the pulpits, and yet there they are speaking at the pulpit. And if your life is a mess, I'm not denying your love of the Lord. But we have to make sure we're yielding to the Lord of the Bible, the Jesus of the Bible. You see? Not the fake one. Not the fake one that the biblical Jesus warns us about, the real Jesus, whose word is above his name, Genesis to Revelation, the full counsel of the word of God. People say, oh, I don't like reading the Old Testament, so I just stick to the New Testament. You're missing a lot. If you hear a pastor who says, like, you know, we teach from the New Testament because of the Old Testament is judgment and wrath and all these things, listen, you better jump ship. Because the things of old, as Brother Paul says, are written for our warning, written for our admonition. You see? So your life is a mess. I'm not, I'm not saying you don't love Jesus. But I will say this. You're not obeying Jesus. And I tell you from experience. 
when I wasn't obeying the Lord, my life was a mess. Destruction upon destruction, ruin upon ruin. And when the formula became right in me, by how did that happen? It's by me yielding to the word of God. In submission to the word of God. You know what happened? Effectuation of God's promises. I tell you these things from experience. I'm not saying these things as like, oh, you know, your life is a mess. Oh, you know, God predestined that. Oh, what's that? You want to commit suicide? Okay, you're predestined for, for hell. That's what the Calvinist says. I'm not Calvinist. I read the Bible. You see? No denying your love of the Lord. But we have to make sure that we're talking about the Jesus of the Bible. And then on top of that, we have to obey him together. Together, you and me, we have to obey him. You see? And just as Brother John says in verse 3, that's the love of God. That we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. You see? Remember, it's the Lord himself who says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He made it that way. He made it that way. He doesn't say, you know what? If you want to believe in me, okay, you have to get an A plus on this calculus exam. No. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's how he made it. It's easy, very easy. But it's also very intricate. Very, very intricate. And Brother John says this in verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You see? Brother John is telling us about the same thing that Brother James told us. Faith and works, you see? John brings up our faith. He also brings up keeping God's commandments. And then he tells us that this is how we overcome. Brother James, he, he just breaks it down. He says, faith without works is dead. I like Brother James. I like Brother John too. But Brother James just breaks it down. Faith without works is dead. Go and listen to our study through the book of James. If you're a new listener and you haven't listened, listened to that study, go and listen to the studies. It's there for you. The book of James. And then we, we go Old Testament. In the book of James, we go Old Testament and look at some Old Testament examples. Very important. You see? And in verse 5, who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You see? To believe, praise be to the Lord. To obey, praise be to the Lord. You see? Remember the package deal? Remember the, uh, the, uh, 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 um, the meal deals, when we, you know, the example we gave in our study in the book of James, uh, not the package deal for pastors, but the, uh, the, the package deal with the, with the meal. Remember the hamburger? You and me, we go get a burger. You know, I say, uh, you know, I'll take a number one. I'm not getting a singular thing. I'm getting a burger, I'm getting fries, and I'm getting a soda. Give me the number one. I look at you, do you want the number one? You say, yeah, give me the number one. I say, okay, two number ones, please. We're not getting a singular thing. We're getting burger, fries, soda. You see, package deal, belief and obedience. And obedience is better than the fat of rams. 
And speaking of Jesus, Brother John continues in verse 6, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood, you see. When our Lord began his earthly ministry, water, water of the river Jordan, remember? And when his earthly ministry ended, blood, the blood of the cross. And Brother John, he says, and it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. So notice what we see so far. We know that the Spirit is truth and we know that the Spirit bears witness. And we know that it is also written in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. It is also written, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, something that Brother Paul tells us. In verse 13, he says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So going back to our study here in 1 John chapter 5, notice what we see unfolding before us so far. Among other things, but on this particular subject matter, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is truth. The Spirit bears witness. And the Spirit teaches. But the Spirit of God is also very selective. Very selective. And I don't say that in the Calvinistic sense. I don't say that in the Reformed sense. I say it in the Biblical sense. Remember Acts chapter 8, our study from Acts chapter 8? The Holy Spirit was very selective. But we also see why the Holy Spirit was selective. Because Simon, there was wickedness in his heart. And so the Holy Spirit skipped over him. You see? Don't forget, Simon... He was a believer with everyone else. Simon was baptized in Jesus, but he had no baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was skipped over for a reason. If you're listening for the first time or, you know, maybe you haven't gone through our studies through the book of Acts, go through our study in the book of Acts. You'll understand a whole lot more. Acts chapter 8 is where we see the Holy Spirit skipping over Simon. They, they believed in Jesus. A fellowship of believers, they believed in Jesus. They were baptized in Jesus. But they had no baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see? And when John and Peter laid hands on, on the saints, or the believers, the Holy Spirit had fallen upon all of them except for one because of wickedness in his heart. You see? The Holy Spirit is very selective. You see? Simon, he walked among Christians. Simon was among the believers without the seal of the Holy Spirit. You see? He was among Christians, baptized into Jesus, in fellowship with the believers, without the seal of the Holy Spirit. Without the seal of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is very selective. Very selective. Not in the Calvinistic sense. Not in the Reformed sense. In the Biblical sense. You see? Very important to understand. 
Because there are people in churches today without the seal of the Holy Spirit. Now, that happens for one of many reasons, or sometimes a plurality of reasons. One of them being either the the quenching of the Holy Spirit, the extinguishing of the Holy Spirit, or maybe, just like Simon, they never had the Holy Spirit. But they're among Christians, they're among Christians, you see? That's why this is such a big deal. It's a huge deal. And that's an understatement. It's a very, very, very huge deal. You see? Because the family of faith were under attack. Were under attack. And this war, this spiritual war, it's going to boil over into the physical realm. And it is given unto Satan to prevail against the saints in the last days. It's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And the present deception of our time, right now, currently, it's a walk in the park. It's a walk in the park. It's a walk in the park and already we're taking casualties. Already we're taking casualties. It fulfills what our Lord says. That even among the elect, no flesh will be saved. Even from among the elect. Unless those days be shortened, you see. That's what the Bible teaches. And so Brother John, he continues here in verse 7. He says, for there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. You see? Sometimes you hear people say, Oh, Trinity, it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Well, here it is. Here it is. The Father, the Word, and we know the Word became flesh. flesh, Remember? And the Holy Spirit. And the three are one. Oh, Trinity, it's not in the Bible. Hey, it's right here. Verse 7. 1 John chapter 5. Three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. You know what's so beautiful about this? John tells us that these three bear witness in heaven. But the Word of God and the Spirit are also found in the realm of men. To those who believe. You see? To those who believe. And remember the package deal that Brother James taught us about. The package deal, remember the number one? Hey, give me a number one. You hungry? You want number one? Yeah, give me a number one. Okay, here's your number one. We're not just getting a singular thing. We're getting a burger, we're getting fries, and we're getting a soda. One for me, one for you. Faith and obedience. The two as one working together. You see? And in verse 8, And there are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. You see? Bearing witness on earth, the spirit. Yes, absolutely. But also water and blood, the baptism and death of our Lord Jesus. You see? If you're not a believer, you might be wondering, like, what is this all about? But it's the very thing that we testify of right now. That through the death of Jesus is the recompense for your sin and mine. The question is, do you believe the things we tell you? Do you believe? 
I can't force you to believe anything. I can tell you. I can speak. But I can't force you to believe. You have a choice to make. The ball's in your court. You see? And if that's you, you're listening. And you're starting to realize, like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, I can see clearly now. Maybe not fully clear, but a little bit clear to understand, like, I'm in trouble. That's what, how it was for me. When I started to realize, like, oh my goodness, I'm in trouble. Because the Bible says, you know, going to the Bible, every jot, every tittle, like, oh my goodness, I'm in trouble. My problem is not with anybody else. My problem is with God. And so I repented. And I became a believer. I became a Christian. And you can do the exact same thing. I tell you from experience. The very things that you wrestle with. If you want to commit your life to Christ right here, right now, hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. You commit your life to Christ right here, right now, point blank. And then you come back, you listen, we journey together, we continue to continue to grow and mature together in this beautiful family of faith, heirs of Abraham. You're my baby brother, baby sister. You see, you might be 80 years old, my baby sister, or my baby brother. You might be 10 years old, my baby brother, my baby sister. You see? And we grow together. We journey together. You see? Brother John says this in verse 9. He says, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. You see? The witness of men. In the witness of men. They can say whatever about whatever. They can say anything about everything, and they do. They absolutely do. But the witness of God, that much, that, that the witness of God is much, 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 much greater. Much greater. It's just like the Egyptian captivity. Remember? Remember? Egyptian captivity. The wisdom of Egypt and the gods of Egypt, they did have a certain ability and they did have a certain power. These gods of Egypt and the wisdom of Egypt. Remember, you know, uh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, look, they do the blood. Look, we can do it too. Our gods can do it too. But when it came to the hail, the wisdom and the gods of Egypt, they absolutely had power, but they were nothing compared to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Nothing. Today, Buddha does have an ability. You can do your Buddha. You can do your crystals. You can do your chakras. You can do the Marys. You can do your angels. But there's a problem. Their power and ability is nothing compared to the Most High. And there's another problem. You're still going to burn in hell. You see? I don't know about you, but that's a big problem. You can do your, you know, I've had these conversations with people. Oh, my crystals, my crystals, they help me. Oh, my chakras, my, my Mary, my angels, my Buddha, my sex, my whatever it is. There's power in other gods. But it's nothing, 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 nothing to the most high. Oh, my chakras help me. My chakras help me. Okay. Your chakras 
might help, but they won't heal. You see? It's like, you know, prescriptions. Prescription medication. Take this prescription medication for the rest of my life, 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 rest of my life. But what about healing? Where, boom, I don't need it anymore. You see? It's like the chakras. Oh, I got this problem, and so I go to my chakras, and okay. Oh, I got this problem, I go to Buddha. Oh, I got this problem, I go to crystals. And sometimes crystals, the tangible, or sometimes crystals, like, you know, the spoons kind. I got this problem, I go to my crystals. I got this problem, I go to Mary. I got this problem, I go to Buddha. I do my yoga. And boom, over and over and over and over and over. They do have a power. But there's no healing. No healing. Because their power is not the power of the Most High. The Most High, boom, instant healing. You see, oh, I do my chakras, I do my crystals, I do my Mary, I do my Buddha, I do my yoga. It helps me cope. Okay, so it helps you cope. But there's another problem. You're going to burn in hell. But the witness of God, what Brother John is telling us about, the witness of God, which is greater than any other, he testifies of his son. You see, the very thing that Brother John is telling us about. And everyone has a choice for himself to make or herself to make. Everyone has a choice to make for himself or herself. And if that is you, You might be burned out on your chakras. You might be burned out on Mary and angels and Buddha and yoga and crystals. You might be burned out. And even the crystals, the kind that you cook on spoons. You might be burned out. There's healing. There is healing. It's only found in Jesus. You see? And you come to Christ. You know what happens? Healing something else. Paradise. No fire. No burning in hell. You see? And some, so many Christians get mad. Pastors, you know, elders, evangelists. They all, you know, you're scaring people to heaven. You're telling them that they, without Jesus, they're going to burn in hell. You're scaring people to heaven. You're scaring people to heaven. Well, don't forget, Jesus is the one who's got, the, the one who says, in the word of God, you know, the word became flesh, but Jesus is the one who says that God so sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. 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 Which begs the question, from what? You see? Hell. Hellfire damnation. Weeping, gnashing of teeth, eternal separation from the Lord, lake of fire, you know. These are scary things. These are absolutely scary things. You see? And yet you have these fools. Oh, don't scare people to paradise. Don't scare people to paradise. Okay, so what are they going to do? Their crystals? They're going to do their chakras? They're going to cook their spoons? They're going to inject this, inject that? They're going to find hope in sex and whatever. They're going to find hope in Buddha. You see? You see what Satan has done? The tactics that Satan uses? 
and the servants that he has, servants that serve him who stand at pulpits. This is very serious business because we're talking about life. We're talking about life. And you, my beautiful, beautiful friend, you can make the choice right here, right now about your eternal destination shifting from hell to heaven right here, right now. All you have to do is hit pause and listen to the message out of commit your life to Christ. You commit your life to Christ. Point blank. You come back. You listen. We journey together. Because when you commit your life to Christ, what happens is the effectuation of God's promises. And more sure than the very earth that we stand on are the promises of God. You see, you commit your life to Christ. You have effectuation of God's promises. Now, that's not to say that, you know, okay, there's effectuation of promises and okay, I'm good to go. I'm going to go back to that lifestyle. Go back to the old lifestyle. No, 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 no. Those days are over. In this journey to paradise, we grow and we mature and we become deadly, the good deadly. You see, those days are over. The old you, dead. The old old man, the old woman, dead. We reckon him, we reckon her to be dead. That's the old nature. You are born again into Christ. You see, commit your life to Christ. You're not a, a, a believer or maybe you're lukewarm. Go, hit pause, commit your life to Christ. You see, look what brother John says in verse 10. He who believes in the son of God has the witness in himself. The very thing that God testifies when you believe it's now in you. Effectuation. You see the very lineage that we just studied on Wednesday. It just so happens. It just so happens. And brother John says, He who believes in the Son of God, in verse 10, has the witness in himself. He who does not believe in God has made him a liar. Notice the capitalization here. He, lowercase, who does not believe in God has made him, uppercase, God a liar. Because he has not believed in the test, he has not believed the testimony that God has given his son. You see? I mean, if you're listening and you're still not a believer in Jesus, I don't want this to be. The very thing that we read here in verse 10, he who does not believe in God, he who does not believe God has made him a liar. I don't want that to be said in you. I don't want that to be said of you. I don't want it to be true in you. I don't want you to make God a liar. I don't want anyone to make God a liar. That's why I constantly, 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 constantly tell you to stop being unbelieving and believe. But you have a choice to make. I can't make it for you. You have to make it for yourself the same way I had to make it for myself. And God's testimony, God's testimony can be in you. Look what Brother John says. And this is the testimony in verse 11. 
that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. You see, effectuation. Effectuation. You say, oh man, I'm so strung out on crack. I'm so strung out on sex. I'm so strung out on alcohol. I don't care. I don't care. I mean, I care, but for sake of you becoming my brother, for, for the sake of you becoming my sister, I don't care. We get you cleaned up from the inside first. And that's done by Jesus. You commit your life to Christ. And then, okay, now the Lord is the one who cleans you up. But there's understanding that we have to have. Understanding of the word of God. You see? Faith and obedience working together. But what is obedience? We study the word of God. We learn what obedience is. We see examples of obedience, examples of disobedience. We live the Christian life. You see? Because once you believe, what happens is effectuation. The testimony in verse 11, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. It's the very lineage that we studied on Wednesday. It just so happens. It just so happens. In verse 12, he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. You see? I mean, you might be wondering, like, how could I not have life while well, I'm alive? I'm living. How could I not have life? It's the very thing that Jesus spoke of when he said, let the dead bury the dead. Because Jesus speaks of life everlasting, life that never ends he tells us of eternity, which for the believer, it's already begun. And death has no sting. You see, he who has the son has life, brother John says in verse 12. And he who does not have the son of God does not have life. He says in verse 13, these things I have written you. To you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. You see our journey? You hear us say it, you know, like, you know, you commit your life to Christ, you come back and you listen. We say it all the time. And we don't say it all the time to be a broken record. We say it all the time for you, for the non-believer. I mean, you know, for the non-believer, if the non-believers, I don't mean you, but if you're a believer, you're listening. If you're not a believer, you might be listening and don't be unbelieving anymore. But we don't say it all the time to be a broken record. We say it all the time so that this invitation can go forth and people can jump ship for such a time as this, as our paths cross in these last days. And I pray that our paths cross and they stay intertwined together, 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 not of the flesh of spirit one day. And I pray of the flesh in the flesh, face to face, Bible studies, face to face one day until the return of our Lord. Brother John, he says that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And we say it all the time, you know, you commit your life to Christ, you come back and you listen to understand that in our journey along the way to paradise, and I speak of heaven when I say paradise, there will be threats. There will be dangers. 
And there is an adversary, but we must fight. We have to fight. And our fight is the good fight. It's not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are supernatural. It's straight up warfare. It's the spiritual warfare that we must all endure. And in verse 14, now this is the confidence. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions. Oh, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. You see, it's the very same thing that Brother James says. Remember, he said, you know, Brother James, he says, you receive not because you ask amiss. The problem isn't God. The problem is the believer. The formula has to be right for effectuation. You see? Brother John, he says it here too. So, Brother James says it, Brother John says it. You know why? Same spirit. Same spirit. And in verse 14, if we ask anything according to his will, and this begs the question, well, what's the will of God? What's the will of God? And I'll give you the answer in this. Let's study the word of God together. You and me will study the word of God together. And together we'll learn the will of God. You see? In verse 16, if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life. Notice the capitalization here. Lowercase h, he will ask and he, God, the capital H, and God will give him life. For those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. Brother John says, I do not say that he should pray about that. In verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin. And there is sin not leading to death. Now, what is Brother John talking about? We read verse 16, we read verse 16, and we see verse 17. What? what? Like, I don't get it. Well, let's unpack it a little bit. This is where we make determinations and judgments. Is a person a baby? Is a person growing? Or is a person leaven? Or is a person a wolf? And when the body cares for the body, believers caring for believers, these are the, the distinctions that must be made. They must, must, must always be made. Because a church, a fellowship of believers can be like Corinth or it can be like Philippi. You see? And we pray for one another, the family of faith, and God gives life. Just like we see in verse 16. He will ask and he will give life. You see? That's what happens when we pray for another, one another and, you know, accounting for the, it is also written, when we make these distinctions, the, you know, the behaviors of babies, the behaviors of a person who's maturing and growing, or the behaviors of leaven, or the behaviors of wolves, 
There's a course of action that needs to happen by the overseers. The overseers have a very specific role, very specific duty, very specific task as assigned by Jesus. Remember Titus? Senior Pastor Paul speaking to or writing to uh, uh, Pastor Titus, where, you know, you give warning one, you give warning two, and, you know, there is no warning three. There's warning one, there's warning two, and then it's time for the overseer to speak to the leaven and the wolves and say, okay, you got to go. You got to leave. This fellowship is not for you because this fellowship, you know, there's protection for the remnant. Warning one, warning two, and then the qualified overseer says, okay, that's it. It's not to say, okay, you know, that's it. You're not a believer or, you know, that's it. And you're going to burn in hell. No, it's to say, hey, I'm sorry. But because of your unwillingness to yield to the word of God, Express and exemplified by your own behaviors, your own choices. Now, I'm sorry, but this fellowship is not for you. I love you. I pray for you, but this fellowship is not for you. The qualified overseer must speak to the leaven, must speak to the wolves. You see? And it's the disqualified pastors who do great, great harm in the body of Christ. Great, great harm. The disqualified pastors. Why? Do you remember our study in the book of Joshua? When Joshua, when Israel was winning in battles and victorious in battles, and all of a sudden they started to take casualties, many casualties. And it's the sin of Achan, Joshua chapter 7. Remember our study? Not too long ago. And Joshua went to the Lord to pray. And it was the Lord who said to Joshua, why are you praying? Just straight up, why in the world are you praying? I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he says. Why in the world are you praying? Because Joshua, you know what needs to be done. You know, Joshua, what needs to be done. Why are you praying to me? That's what the Lord says to Joshua. And then Joshua realized, you know what? The sin, it has to be dealt with. And Achan, he had ample time to get right with the Lord, but he refused to. The Lord says to Joshua, why are you praying? You know what you got to do, Joshua. You know that there can't be sin in the camp. Why are you praying? I already told you. You see? And the disqualified shepherds in these last days, they do much harm, great harm. But the qualified shepherds, the qualified overseers, full package. And if you're like, what is he talking about, full package, pastor? Go and listen to our study through pastoral epistles. First Timothy, but with First Timothy, don't forget the introduction to First Timothy. Introduction to First Timothy, and then First Timothy, Second Timothy, Titus, and don't, don't forget Philemon. Everything's, everything's there for you. So that you can understand, you can know what to look for. But you're going to realize, like, oh my goodness, my pastor's crazy. I don't have a full package pastor. Oh my goodness, my pastor wants to go grave soaking. Oh my goodness, my pastor calls a, it says that God is done with Israel. Oh my goodness, my pastor it calls glitter the Holy Spirit. And you're going to realize, oh my goodness, this pastor's crazy. 
But when you know formula, you know what to look for. You know what to submit to in terms of the full package qualified shepherd. Because those are shepherds who teach the flock. They equip the flock. They train the flock. They pour into the flock. They protect the flock. And they guide the flock to paradise. You see? Understand that there will be threats. In this journey to paradise, there will be threats from the outside. Absolutely. But we'll also have threats from the inside. Don't forget, the overseers, the shepherds can become wolves. Don't forget Acts chapter 20. Overseers can become wolves, men who were once tasked by the Holy Spirit. Notice, the Holy Spirit, they had the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit charged them to be overseers. The Lord charged them to be overseers. And yet they became wolves. And Paul says, after my departure, I know this is going to happen. What happened? It happened. You see? And Paul doesn't say, well, you know, I'm awesome. And while I'm here, this is never going to happen because, oh, look how awesome I am. No, Paul, Paul knows his stuff. Paul's full package. Remember the demon? The demon said, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who in the world are you? And Paul says, after my departure, this is what's going to happen. So along our journey, we will be under attack. But there's also going to be attacks from the inside. You see? And when you know formula, you'll know what to look for. Because you might walk in the doors of a church. You left one church, you go into another church. You see, you know, you, you understand full package and, you know, the female comes out and says, hello, I'm the, I'm the head pastor here. You say, okay, boom, I'm out. Wrong formula. You go into another fellowship, you know, sound doctrine is being taught. You know, what you presume to be sound doctrine is being taught. And then, you know, you talk to the pastor afterwards. You say, oh, this, this is my wife. This is my, my third wife. Okay, boom, I'm out. You see? Oh, no, this is my third wife. Oh, I'm so sorry. My condolences, Pastor. Why? What do you mean condolences? Well, you're on your third wife. I didn't know that your previous wives have died. I, 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 my condolences. I'm sorry you, you lived through that. I'm sorry, Pastor. No, no, no. This is my third wife. My wife number one, we had irreconcilable differences. Wife number two, we had irreconcilable differences. You see? And he calls himself a pastor? He's disqualified. Cannot submit to him. But he's a pastor. He's got the degrees. He's got the pastor parking spot. He's got the badge on his chest that says head pastor. That's nice. What does the Bible reveal about him? You see, you cannot submit to the defunct. I mean, you can. I'm not saying, you know, like, you know, I, I can't force that upon you. But I urge you, don't submit yourself to the defunct. You see, I can't force that upon. I can't force anybody to believe. I can't force anybody to submit to whatever pastor. But I can teach formula so that you can understand and that you can know like, wow, this guy's defunct. Wow, this guy's on his third marriage and his previous wives aren't, de aren't dead. So, wow, he's defunct. Wow, this, this, this guy's a pastor. Look, and his kids are sexually active. They do their crystals, their chakras, their Buddha, their Mary, their whatever it is. And if he can't keep his house in order, how can he do so in the house of God? You cannot submit to the defunct. Or that's my urging. 
But you can choose for yourself. You see? We all have a choice to make. Every single one of us. The disqualified pastors, they do nothing with leaven and wolves. They do nothing with the leaven and the wolves. And you know what happens? The leaven, the wolves, they fester among the flock. And lamb and sheep become injured severely. And the way of righteousness becomes blasphemed. That's what's happening. I mean, it's been happening through the ages, but it's going to be on overdrive in the last days. When you look at the sequence of events in the last days, a whole string of events are going to happen systematically. Boom, 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 boom. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. But it is only the remnant that will be refined. Only the remnant. You see? When that happened to the saints in Corinth, where the pastors did nothing with the leaven and wolves, and the wolves, they... The, the, the leaven, when they became endemic in the church. It's why Paul said to the saints in Corinth, you guys, your rejoicing is not a good thing. Chloe knew all about it. Chloe knew, I can't submit to this pastor. I can't submit to that pastor. I can't submit to that pastor. So you know what? Home fellowship. She knew all about formula. She knew that men couldn't submit to her as pastor, but she knew that she could teach women. And pour into women. The home fellowship in Chloe's household. I can make a very, very, very strong case. I meant, if you're a lawyer, slam dunk. Home fellowship of women. women, Beautiful, beautiful sisters in Christ. Family of faith. Heirs of Abraham. And those in Chloe's household, they write a letter to Paul. Hey, Paul, there's something, there's something wrong in Corinth. This is what's happening. And the leaven might say, well, you know, you, you guys that meet in Chloe's house, you're gossiping. All you do is gossip. You're busybodies. And that's what the leaven speaks. Listen, when leaven speaks, know who's talking. When wolves speak, know who's talking. Because, yeah, they told Paul, oh, they were tattletales, they were tattletales, they were gossiping. And the leaven might say that. But what they did is they go to the male covering and they go to Paul and say, listen, this pastor's defunct, this pastor's defunct, this pastor's defunct. Look, what's everything that's happening here? Paul catches wind of it and he writes back and says, hey, you guys, you're rejoicing. It's not a good thing. Why? Because of leaven. That's why. You see? happening in these last days where are the qualified male coverings in these last days where where can they be found i can teach you i can pour you so that you know what to look for so that you leave one church you walk into another church it's like okay i can't submit to this guy he's crazy i can't submit to this lady wrong formula and you're gonna find something you're gonna discover It's very difficult to find. 
you're going to discover that it's very, 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 very difficult to find a fellowship where the formula is right. Very difficult. But yet it's one of the signs of many of the last days. I can make a strong case. If you're a lawyer, slam dunk. That the last day's church is the home fellowship. Very, very strong case. As the church at large enters judgment, what Brother Peter says comes first. Judgment coming first to the church. And you have disqualified pastors. They do nothing with leaven and wolves that have entered the church. And saints, they just, well, you know, I, I, I want to do my, I, I want to live the Christian life. I want to bear one another's burdens, as the Bible says, and that's a beautiful thing. But to bear the burdens of leaven, to bear the burdens of the wolf, that's very dangerous. Life-threatening. Very dangerous. And because saints aren't moving on to perfection, which is a result of bad instruction or it's a result of not wanting to grow and mature. What happens is saints, they don't understand these deeper truths. And the Pauls become the bad guys. The Jameses become the bad guys. The Johns become the bad guys. Now, accounting for everything we just discussed or studied, accounting for babies, and leaven and wolves. Let's reread verse 16 and 17. In verse 16, if anyone sees his brother sinning, which, if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask, and he, speaking of God, and God will give him life for the, and God will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. Now, can you see how this reads when we account for babies, leaven, and wolves? Can you see? Because a baby might be in sin, but they're a baby. You see? And you pray. And the Lord will give life. But then there's sin leading to death. Maybe the person's leaven. Maybe the person's a wolf. Maybe the person is a former shepherd who has transitioned to a wolf. You see, by his own doing, self-inflicted, self-inflicted. Remember our study in Acts chapter 20, correlating to the studies in Deuteronomy and Numbers and Leviticus, self-inflicted, self-inflicted. You see, and brother John says there is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. There's a big problem in the church today, a big, big problem with disqualified pastors. Oh, let's just pray for this brother. Let's just pray for them. Let's just pray for them. Let's just pray for them. And in all things we pray, but the qualified overseer has a biblical responsibility to keep the house of God clean. Accounting for babies. And babies will stumble. Those growing will stumble. Even the mature stumble. 
But there are behaviors of babies and those growing and maturing, and there are behaviors of leaven, and there are behaviors of wolves, and it is the overseer who needs to speak to the leaven and speak to the wolves and say, listen, just like Titus, warning one, warning two, warning three is, listen, I love you, but this fellowship is not for you. I want it to be for you. I prayed for it to be you. But as a result of your own choices and behaviors becoming of leaven and even behaviors becoming of the wolf, because of that, as a result of your own choices and refusal to align yourself to the word of God, I'm sorry, this fellowship is not for you. And that's what the qualified overseer must do. Not he thinks about doing it. No, must do. You know why? Because of the saints, the flock of God on the inside. So that the flock of God on the inside can continue to bear burdens of one another, can continue to pray for one another so that love feasts can abound more beautifully, more gloriously, and become more bountiful, the goodness and the richness of God's grace, His mercy, and His love. Very exclusive, very exclusive. And you might hear that and be like, what? You sound like such an elitist. Listen, very exclusive, but the door is open. It's not wide open like it was 2,000 years ago, give or take a couple years. The door is open. These are the parameters. Come inside. You see? I say parameters, but remember what Brother John says. It's not burdensome. It's not burdensome. It might seem burdensome. It might. But in the course of time, you're going to realize, like, wow, you know what? This is kind of easy. Wow, you know what? I kind of like this. You know what? I like that I don't wake up, you know, next to a toilet. I like that I don't wake up on a park bench not knowing, you know, where I am. I like that I wake up and, I, you know, I, I have presence of mind to know where I am. I like that, you know, and you start to realize, oh, my goodness. I can trust in the Lord. Then you start to realize something else. His ways are better than mine. And then you start to realize something else. Man, I love the Lord. And you start to realize something else. I really love the Lord. And then you start to realize something else. I really, really, really love the Lord. Then you start to realize something else. This world, I want nothing of it. Then you start to realize something else. This place isn't my home. I'm a citizen of paradise, and that's where I'm going. You see? We have to account for the all that it is also written. We have to understand formula and we teach in this manner so that you understand so that, you know, what's going to happen. You're going to realize like, oh my goodness, my pastor's crazy. 
My pastor is straight up crazy. I cannot submit to him. It's not because of you. It's because of his own choices. And then you're going to go to the next church and you're going to realize his doctrine is wrong. And you're going to go to the next church and the next church and the next church and the next church. And you're going to realize, like, where is there to go? It's one of the great dilemmas for the saint of the last days. Finding a place to fellowship. If you're in a fellowship where the formula is right, I care not of the numbers. You're probably going to have less than 10. Maybe 20. If you're in a fellowship where the formula is right, do not do not leave. If you're in a fellowship where the formula is wrong, do not stay. Very important. Because where there is koinonia, where there is love feast, you have effectuation of other things. Safety. You see? We continue here in verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. Now, keeps himself, that's a military term. It's to be on watch, it's to be on guard. And John says that those born of God do not sin. Moving on to perfection, this is something that we strive for. And, you know, we did mention the evolution of sin, how your sin, it's going to change as you change. It's going to become less and less and less and less. How you, how you repent today is going to be different than, you know, you're going to repent of something, you know, in like now. I mean, if not today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, but you're going to repent. But then how you repent in a year, it's not going to be the same. It's going to change. Because in the evolution of sin, you're changing. You're moving on to perfection. You see? You're going to sin less and less and less and less and less. And to be sinless, that's to be dead. Or to be asleep. You'll notice something among mature believers. You'll notice something in your walk as you grow and mature. Where the mess of life... It gets less and less and less and less. Something else happens. The wicked one will lose his grip on you. That's what happens when you grow and mature. The formula must be right. See? Now Satan, he changes his angle of approach. He changes his tactics. But in the last days, it is prophesied that Satan, it will be given to Satan to prevail against the saints. But there is a remnant. A remnant. There is a narrow way, and that is true Philadelphia. In verse 19, Brother John says this, We know that we are of God. And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. You see? You say, oh, you're, you sound pretty exclusive. Just the message. Look at Brother John. 
We are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. You see? Remember the demon? Jesus, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who in the world are you? You see, the demons know. The demons know. And in verse 20, Brother John says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true and eternal life. Very, very sobering it is to see all this mess in the world. Very sobering it is to see all this mess in the church, ruin in the church, and what's happening all around around mess upon mess and ruin upon ruin. It's the very thing that God warned us about in his word. Through the messengers in their particular era. But it still rings true today. God provides this warning. Because he loves you. You see? But it begs the question even still, who will heed the Lord in these last days? It is only the remnant. Brother John in verse 21 and in closing, he says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Listen, anything, 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 anything. Anything that pulls you away from the Lord, from the Bible, from prayer, from fellowship and love feast within Ecclesia, whatever it is, whatever it offers, whatever it promises, it's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a trap. It's an idol. Do not heed idols. And this is something that's going to be on overdrive in the last days. Keep yourselves. Guard yourselves. Protect yourselves. Stay away from idols. And we'll close with Brother John's final word. Amen. Amen. To the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.